0: Hello, friends! It's your old pal Aria Hawani back with another Wednesday episode of The Hawani Show. Three big time guests this week Paul Felder, who just retired on Saturday night officially, Charles Oliveira, the new UFC undisputed lightweight champion, and Carlos Sparza, the number one contender, at least in my opinion, in the strawweight division. We'll get to all that in a second, but before we Get to it. Shout out to the Hoop Collective podcast. Brian Windhorst and his cast of characters are all over the NBA, the National Basketball Association. Big time Knicks game tonight. Game two, Hawks, MSG, the Mecca, Revenge, Let's Go. Anyway, I tune in to each and every episode of the Hoop Collective. I suggest you check it out wherever you get your podcast. Also, The Ultimate Fighter is back June 1st, next Tuesday, only on ESPN+. Sign up now. At ESPNplus.com. All right, on to today's show, which does contain some language that may not be suitable for all audiences. So as always, listener discretion is advised. Enjoy.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ariel Helwani's MMA Show!
0: Back in your life on this Wednesday, May 26, 2021. Hello again, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Welcome back to a brand new edition of the Helwani Show on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. A lot to get to this week with three very interesting names. Before I get to the show, quick reminder, no DC in Helwani next Monday, no Helwani Show next Wednesday. No Ari on the Bad Guy next Wednesday. So we're off uh, next week uh, from start to finish, but we'll be back for the Monday episode leading into the next UFC pay-per-view, which of course goes down June 12th, Glendale, Arizona. You got the two title fights and of course the return of Nathan Diaz versus Leon Edwards. A lot going on, as always, in the world of MMA. On Saturday, there was some big news regarding Paul Felder, uh, a fighter's fighter, a class act. No one no one doesn't like Paul Felder, no one doesn't respect Paul Felder, well, he has turned into a fantastic broadcaster and uh, he retired on the job last Saturday while calling the fights he didn't retire from commentating so we spoke to Paul Felder about his announcement where he goes from here, his career regrets, highlights, all that and more also spoke to Charles Oliveira, the new UFC lightweight champion uh, who of course uh, won the belt against Michael Chandler just a couple weeks ago, talk about the win, the comeback, the celebration, the parade, his first title defense, all that and more. And we also talked to Carla Sparza on the show today, who had a fantastic win this past Saturday against Yan Chanan. I think she should be next for a title shot. I think she should fight Rose Damunis. The storyline is there. She beat Rose in the first strawweight title fight in UFC history back in 2014. Finals of the Ultimate Fighter. What a great season that was with all the strawweights living in the house. Uh, it seems like a no-brainer, and especially when you come off a win like that over someone mm-hmm. who has looked oh-so-good as of late in Yan Chow Nan, To me, it's it's a no-brainer. I don't know why they're not coming out and, and, and saying that she's the number one contender officially. I don't know why they don't do that more often, to be honest. Like The more titles, the more labels you can put on fights, number one contender, all that stuff, the bigger the fights are. And yet, for some reason, the UFC doesn't want to do this. Now, I think it's because of a leverage thing. I think it could be because of a, uh, you know, you, 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 want to, you want to hedge your bet. That being said, it just makes the fights bigger. So we'll talk to Carla about all that and more on the program. But first, here's my conversation with the Irish Dragon, Paul Felder, who, like I said, retired on Saturday. Last time we saw him, November, Rafael Sanjos. Took the fight on five days notice. What a career he had. Now he transitions to some exciting things. We discuss all that and a whole lot more. Enjoy.
1: ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate.
0: All right, let's say hello now to a man who made some very big news this past weekend in the midst of the UFC broadcast. He was there to call the fights but then we got some personal news out of Paul Felder. He officially announced that he'd be retiring from active MMA competition, something that he has hinted at for quite some time, but he made it official on Saturday. And so first things first of all, Paul, thank you so much for the time. I I appreciate your time very much. Um, Congratulations on the announcement. Congratulations on the fallout. Could I just ask first, like the last I don't know, forty-eight to seventy-two hours. What is it like as you make an announcement like this? Because I'm assuming everyone is
2: reaching out. There's text DMs. It could be overwhelming, right? It is a bit overwhelming because there's a lot of people uh, that I care about that I'm trying to make sure I'm getting back to as many people that I know as possible, and it just uh, makes you a little anxious that you're oh, you're going to miss somebody that's um, somebody you care about and they've said something really nice to you or somebody that's somebody you respect and says something to and you're just trying to get back to everybody but yeah it's been it's been really really nice I mean amazing to see kind of where I sat in the in the hearts of a lot of MMA fans and uh, it's where I kind of thought that I I lived but to to see it the way it is and the respect that people put on my name and uh, and how much they enjoyed watching me over the years it's it's been bittersweet because now I'm kind of like damn you know I'm going to miss that, but I'm, it's definitely going to be something I miss and I'm uh, not going to go back to. I was going to ask, are you already rethinking your retirement? You know, retirement and fighting don't usually last long. No, not for a second. OK, <laughs> I'm loving it. I was just at Dunkin Donuts getting some donuts after a hard ass run this morning. And uh, I got a hard ass swim tonight and I shouldn't be cursing. Is no, that's no. OK. Yeah, totally fine. All right. Um,
0: I want to get to that, that, that training that you're doing, but was there, and not to put anyone down, was there one message, text, phone call that stood out above the rest?
2: I mean, it was cool. Like DC gave me a phone call and that's always good to hear from um, somebody that's been there, has done this and is kind of relating to me. So it was cool to talk to him about it. And then, but he's one of the people that also stresses me out. Me and him were actually talking yesterday. He called me. I'm talking to him as I was uh, coming back from the airport and Christine was picking me up and transferred to my car getting picked up. And I lost the call. And then I was saying hi to Christine and Ashley and I forgot to call him back. And I'm like, oh, dude. And then like a day or two later, I was like, oh, my God, I never called DC back. And I texted him. I thought he was all mad at me. He's like, bro, I'm not I'm not mad at you. I was like, Um, uh, who else? I mean, there's just so so many people, but yeah, I mean, just the fighters, you know, to see all the fighters uh, react and to hear Dana say good things about my career and um, just all the staff backstage the night I retired talking to me. I mean, these are the people I work with and I have a lot of respect for. So it, it, that meant a lot.
0: Do you remember when you made this decision internally before announcing it, of course, like how long ago have have you made this decision and how long have you been sitting on it?
2: Man, I mean, I, I guess I'd say the last few months, I've pr- probably been pretty sure and I've been saying it out loud to everybody and everybody just keeps going. No, no, no. You'll, you'll do another one. You'll be all right. You'll, you'll get motivated. You'll do that. And, and I'm, I've been trying to tell people, it's like when you have a problem, but all your friends are just brushing it under the rug, you know, uh, my cries for help of wanting to retire. I've been, I've been saying for a really long time. And I think, I think I finally put my foot down and got pretty serious with everybody. And I was like, listen, I, I really I don't think I've got it anymore. I don't want to fight. Because they kept saying, well, what about this person? What if, what if Connor wants to fight you? What if this? And uh, I was like, man, it, it really doesn't. It's not the who anymore. Because at first, that's what I thought it was. I thought maybe it's, I'm not getting the big fights. I'm not getting the, the fights that I want. But I think it's just I don't want to put myself through what you have to put yourself through anymore.
0: And so, um, coming to the conclusion of like sitting there and saying the, like you knew that was coming, right. It was probably, what was Saturday like for you? Like actually saying it to the world and you're calling a few fights yeah. and now it's like, you know, producer and you're probably you're up next, but like, what was that all like? And then what was the aftermath? Like, cause then you have to go back to calling fights.
2: Yeah. It was weird because <laughs> I forgot, I forgot when they told me we were going to do it. So I didn't know, I saw them like a camera come up, but throughout the night the, the cameramen were filming the corners. They were also filming me, Mike and Brendan and filming a bunch of different stuff. So, you know, a camera kept coming up for, for ups of us. And I kept thinking, Oh, this is going to be it. And then then when they set up the camera and Zach was like, all right, uh, your, your thing is coming up now. And I was like, Oh, but I didn't know there was a little video that had been made. I thought it was just going to be kind of um, set up by Brendan and, and go from there. But. Then, then getting back to it, it was no issue for me, really. I mean, I had my little moment. We had a little break. I got to collect myself. And it had been something like we just said. You know, I, I knew for months now that this is where I was going to go. I just didn't know how I was going to do it. I talked to you about it and then unfortunately had to disappoint you <laughs> and come on after I had already done it. So sorry, Ariel. Um, no problem. But yeah, it's something I'd come to terms with pr- probably for a while. Now, I would say at least a solid two f- full months of me knowing I wasn't going to take a fight, which is why, you know, when guys are calling me out, I, it, it was really frustrating because I want to be like, man, I'm not, I'm not fighting, but I hadn't come to that final announcement yet. So, okay. So, so why didn't you do it two months ago? Well, because I, I was kind of talked into just sitting on the sidelines and seeing if, the, if that was going to change and for the positive, like my management, Brian Butler, Hunter, Sean Shelby, Um, friends and family, even when I would ask their advice, they're like, why don't you just sit, maybe take the summer and, uh, really make sure that it's, it's something that you, um, you don't want to do. And I just kept waiting and waiting. And, and I was like, no, no, I'm starting to feel guilty because in my mind and in my heart, I know I'm done. So if I'm just going to be one of those guys, that's just kind of sitting around just to sit around. And I, I hate that guy. When I was a young fighter coming up through the ranks in the UFC, I hated the guys that didn't fight, that just sat on their ranking and took up space because I wanted it so bad. I wanted to be in the ranking so bad. And now I've been around seven years and I'm becoming that guy. And I, nah, I don't want to do that. So if someone comes
0: up to you and says, why are you retiring now? Why do you not want to fight anymore? What is the answer?
2: Uh, I just, I, I'm enjoying my life at home doing the things I'm doing, I think my priorities in my life have shifted at this point in my life. And fighting is not at the top of that. And if fighting is not at the top of your list of stuff that matters most, it's a dangerous sport to be involved in anymore. And it's not. It's not. Commentating is now. It is finally, I, I'm more interested in, in working the big fights for as a commentator. I'm more interested in doing other shows the podcast UFC roundup doing I want to do other things I I would love to do a thing where I go to different gyms or take fighters out to eat and get them a cheat day and do do cool stuff like that and have that relationship with different people because I've been through it I've I've known what they've gone through I get to work the contender series which is another thing that's awesome because it's the the, the hot young prospects getting getting their shot to do what I've already done Mm -hmm. to live live their dream and fight in the UFC and, and chase that title and, and then tra- training is, uh, you know, I do want to get back in the gym. I do want to go help Sean Brady, um, who I believe is going to be, you know, top 10 and top five in the next year or so. Um, I know he's got a big fight coming up, and it's on the McGregor and Poirier card. So I'm already trying to figure out a way to, to make sure I'm in in the crowd that night. Yeah, he's fighting Kevin Lee. That
0: is a, a really interesting fight on paper. Um, often in fighting, fighters don't have – the next steps figured out when it's time to say goodbye. Clearly you do. Does it make it easier to say goodbye to your active fighting career because you're a commentator and very entrenched in that world? I mean, like it's, it's, I mean, you're a part of the
2: team, so to speak. Does that make it easier for you? Oh my, I mean, so much easier than most 90 some percent of the the roster, right? Most athletes, when it comes time, no matter what sport, most athletes just have to be like, okay, football is done. Basketball is done fighting is done. Uh, not everybody gets the opportunity to do what I'm doing or DC and and Mike and Dom. I mean, this is a real privilege and, um, I don't want to lose that. And I don't want to lose my credibility either. And if I fight, but don't, don't have my heart in it, I could get hurt. I could be embarrassed. So it was time to just, uh, focus on that. But yeah, so much easier because think about that. Most guys don't get to be in the sport. They've either got a coach or find another job. And that is much, much harder to deal with as a, as a fighter to just be done like that. Um, for me, it was, seems like a pretty s- seamless transition. There's other things I want to do obviously beyond fighting, but this certainly makes giving up fighting a lot easier. When you left the cage after the RDA fight in November, did you know in your head that that was it? I didn't. Okay. That that confused me. That confused the whole situation. But in hindsight, the only thing that got me really excited was the circumstances around it. Um, because you saw I didn't really care that I lost that fight. I was excited for what we just did because the story and the – the, the journey of that whole thing was so much more to me than the actual fight. The fight was fun. Me and him went at it. We had a five-round fight. I didn't win. It was not even a split decision. Let's be honest. I lost that fight. But I was competitive, and and I made him work, and I busted him up a little bit. And I had so much fun, in the crazy weight cut that almost killed me. um it?
0: It was that bad? It was bad,
2: man. Really, 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 really bad. Like dry heaving in a bathtub, pouring oh. cold water on myself. Like, oh, uh, Shaking. Um, I was watching these YouTube videos of people slamming ice-cold sodas all night long, just like chugging sodas. I found this ASMR video of people just drinking ice-cold sodas all night long, all night long. I mean, hours of me just watching that stuff, just curled up in a bed. Have you ever done that before? Not, not with the sodas. No, that was a whole new. That was a whole new thing. That was a new. Usually, I'm watching things that involve food as well because I'm I'm hungry. Right. But this was such a rapid weight cut that I, I, the hunger never even became a thing. It was so much water. It was I was so thirsty for so long. It was, uh, it was horrible. Okay.
0: Um. And and perhaps that expedited things in a way. Like it, maybe in retrospect. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I never want to cut weight again. Right. Ever, ever, ever again. (laughs) Never, ever, ever again. And which is so funny because right now I'm so skinny. Yeah, I could see it in your face. How much do you weigh right now? I was after the run I did today, which was a really hard run. It was an hour and five minutes and it was like a threshold interval type track workout. Um, I was 169.
0: Wow. And that's walk around. Six months
2: removed from your last fight, have you? Are you like? What do you usually? I woke up this morning, just fresh. First wake up, take a pee, weigh myself, which is what I normally. I was one seventy two. And
0: and what are you usually six months? You know, out of a fight back in the day
2: with nothing on the horizon, close to two hundred pounds. Wow, and and why are you so light? It's because of this. I've been training for this um, half Ironman. And when's that going down? June sixth. And do you think that you will keep this up post-June 6th? Yeah, I've already got a, uh, a race in Oregon, signed up for July 25th, one in August in Atlantic City, and then one in Maryland in October. And why are you doing this? Because I'm obsessed with it.
0: <laughs> obsessed with
2: the, the, the sport. Track. And how did that happen? Was that always something you were into? Never. Um, as a matter of fact, I hate it running. I couldn't swim, and I didn't have a bike, so... <laughs> I went from not having a bike ever as an adult, except for when I was in college, uh, I'd never swam like a length of a pool until like a year or so ago when I started doing it a little bit for training, but I could do like one length, take a break, one length, take a break. Now I'm swimming miles in a river. Wow. Uh, During the pandemic, I started wanting to run more and then got interested in completing a marathon. I was like, you know what? That's something, it's a bucket list thing. Like, I feel like as an athlete, I should be able to check that off that I've completed a marathon. And I was starting with a half marathon and I signed up. Then they all kept getting canceled, but I was running more and more miles than I ever have. So I started watching YouTube videos to see what workouts can I do to make these runs more interesting. So I started looking up, you know, tempo workouts and just different, how do real runners you know, do their training as and And upon doing that, I started stumbling on all these triathletes doing a lot of their different workouts. Through that, I found this guy, Lionel Sanders, who's one of the best guys in the world. He's a Canadian athlete. Um and he's one of the best triathletes in the world. Dude is an absolute machine. Started watching all his YouTubes, does does a really good job um having a YouTube series. This guy Talbot, his his buddy films him, is a really good videographer. Started getting obsessed with them, then reached out to him on Instagram, started talking to him. He's obsessed with the UFC, and I got him tickets uh, for the one in Arizona. That's where he lives now is in Arizona. And uh, just slowly but surely, I bought a Peloton, got into riding that. That wasn't enough. Got a real bike, got a trainer, started to hire hired, uh, this guy, David Tilbury Davis, who's a professional triathlete coach. Um, and just it just started snowballing, and I got more interested in that than even going to the gym to do MMA. Wow. Then the RDA fight came up, but I was in really good shape because of this race prep. And um, yeah, so I just and then I started getting in and following other guys and women and just their journeys and how tough they are. And it's very similar to MMA in that it's not just one discipline that I'm focused on. It's just like mixed martial arts where I've got to blend my time amongst a whole plethora of three things of different training and different ways to do each one of those trainings and different intensities and Not to mention I'm eating so much and I'm losing weight by the day. So, and I'm home. I'm seeing Christine all the time. We're, our relationship is amazing right now. I get to see Ashling before school, take her to school or Christine takes her to school. I make her breakfast. And then, you know, when I'm on the road, it's not so bad because I've been home all the time. Right. right. um, Yeah, it's just, it's good. And obviously there'll be. You know, it always sucks. I was just starting to make some decent money as a fighter. So financially it's, uh, you know, I'm not hurting, but it's always, it's always to lose out on, on big paydays. But once I start doing movies, that'll, that'll cover that stuff. Is that part of the dream about uh, you
0: know the next step? Yes. Okay. How soon, like, are, are you actively pursuing that right now?
2: Yeah, so I guess I can talk about it more and more now. So I, I'm in the HBO show, uh, the HBO um, Max show Hacks with Gene Smart. Um, okay. Caitlin Olson's in it. It's out now. It is hilarious. It's about an aging stand-up, very famous stand-up female comedian who's uh, living in Vegas. And she's trying to obviously update. Well, she doesn't want to, but reluctantly she gets an, a younger female writer who's a comedian to help her kind of update her jokes and get her to reach out to a more broader younger audience because she's losing some space at the casino. And that's all I'll say about that. And uh, I come in later in this. I haven't been on the show yet. I'm in one episode, but um, I got to work on you know the Paramount lot in, in LA for weeks and on wow. set with all these actors and have a real speaking part and do some real scene work and um, working with some guys to get me some more jobs. I mean, nothing is other than that has really kicked off yet, but I just retired. I'm just now getting refocused and doing that. And I think it'll help that I'm, you know, I, I, I can live a healthier lifestyle doing what I'm doing. Whereas the fighting, the fluctuation of the weight one day, I'm 200 pounds. One day I'm 175 pounds. So, uh, I think, uh, this is good for long-term health in, in the long run.
0: When you, when you look back at the fighting career, any regrets,
2: yeah, I mean, there's certain fights that I know I probably shouldn't have taken. We were just me and Christine were just talking about the one fight, the Trinaldo fight was probably like one of the dumber fights I ever took. I was begging for a fight. I was begging for a guy that was higher ranked than me. And Joe Silva at the time was like, this is the fight. Take it or leave it. That's all you've got. You want a top 15 guy? Here's your top 15 guys. Trinaldo in Brasilia, Brazil, his hometown. And me being me at the time, I took it. I wouldn't have taken that Ross Pearson fight on short notice, Um, and I probably would have really focused on my diet and being a cleaner athlete year round. It's it's really sucks that you learn some of these lessons that you know in your late 30s, towards the end of your career. Like if I could be how I am now, but 29, 30, 31, God, I'd have been such a much better athletes. I'm already a crazy person. I'm already tough as they come. I love a fist fight, but if I had added just being disciplined, not murdering myself with weight cuts. So did all those young fighters out there. My God, please. I know it seems cool to be so big in your weight class. It's not worth it in the long run. You're just messing up your metabolism. You're messing with your body. You're going to make things more difficult. You're going to end up moving up a weight class that you probably don't have to move up to, but since you weren't disciplined enough early on you screwed yourself up. So that's my big regret is not living a cleaner, healthier lifestyle year round. I mean, I don't party like I used to, you know, I used to like to go drink a lot of beers and be out and stuff. Still love a beer, still love a glass of wine, but all in moderation now, you know, I'm not getting, I don't go out and party like I used to. So it's on the flip side though. Highlight. Is there a fight? Is there a moment One that sticks out. Yeah, there's definitely a couple. I mean, obviously, that Dan Hooker fight in New Zealand with that crew, having all my coaches living in this this beautiful Airbnb we had right across from this park in New Zealand. We're there for like two and a half weeks. We're running outside in the beautiful weather you know, everybody wanted Dan to win, but everybody was also so freaking nice to me too. Like when every radio station I went to, those people were all genuine. People on the streets were yelling out of their cars at me. Good luck, you know, this for this fight. And yeah, that first main event, you know, I'll never forget that. Finally headlining. i want won. It was such a dream for so long. And now I'm looking at two posters on my wall with my face on it. So, you know, didn't get that title shot, but the main event was that it was main event. Then it was title shots, right? You know, Mm -hmm. I I had a a sequence of things that me and my mom would always talk about, like what I have to do before I can think about retirement. And the one for sure was definitely get in as many main events as you can, you can do in the time that you feel good about still fighting Two, one on super short notice against a, you know, fighting a former champion, I you know, that that sticks out to me. Those those two main events, and obviously Stevie Ray. That, that fight in Scotland. Just whenever I would win on home turf like that, yeah. it's crazy that the Charles Oliveira fight isn't really won because at yeah. the time, at the time, that was a fight I expected to win. Yeah, I expected to beat him. I think I might even been the favorite or slight underdog in that fight. But now look at him. My God.
0: Hey, that that one's aged well at least, right? Oh. I mean, I feel like you're getting credit for it after the fact.
2: So aged, I mean, like <laughs> the, uh, the finest of, yeah. of wines. And we've been talking about how that aged well for so long now. I mean, he's been on such a win streak that me and my buddies have been talking about, like, yo, that Charles win was really young. <laughs> and that was a year ago. Now, I mean, I was so stoked. I, nothing against Michael Chandler. I yeah. really have nothing against that guy. But when he won, we lost our minds here. A bunch of my friends were over and, uh, that was great. I was like, yes, I beat the champ. Yeah.
0: Beat the champ feather in your cap. Now, by the way, you, you mentioned your mom, a legend on Twitter. Uh, I would see her pop up from time to time. Just curious. Once you made it official, what was the conversation like with her? I'm assuming she was watching.
2: Yes. Yeah. She said, uh, you know, very classy and she loved how I handled it and that I, that I'm choosing to go out. It's really important to me. And I think to my family and the people that love me and care about me that, I always said, listen, guys, when I know it's time, like I will leave the sport. I, I, and this is, you know, I was saying this even before there was commentary jobs and stuff like that. Like I knew I wouldn't, I I didn't want to overstay my welcome. I'd rather leave the party a little early and have an Irish goodbye and just peace out before anybody sees me get too drunk at that party. And if I stay too long and get beat up too much longer, uh I want to keep everything intact. But mom was very happy and very pleased at how it went down. And she's excited to see what happens from here. And she gets to watch me on TV doing commentary whenever she wants. And she gets to see me a lot more. So, I mean, it's all positive. She's going to my race in June, Virginia. Um, So she gets to see me compete now and doesn't have to walk away and go hide her eyes. You know, She can um, watch me do that stuff much safer now.
0: Well, you are a, a class act, my friend, and uh, love to see all the love that you are receiving. Um, I mean, uh, I, I meant like you were you're, you're a fighter's fighter, right? Like all the fighters respect you. And I think you saw that and uh, they appreciate your heart and your determination. And it's so even great Connor. Even, even Connor. Connor gave me I share. mean, how about that? The the, the 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 rivalry or relationship between you and Connor is a bizarre. I don't understand what's
2: going on there. Perhaps you do. You you know. <laughs> I think he's just as, as they would say, man, I think he's just always been taking the piss to be honest with you. You know, he's a, he's a true Irishman Yeah. and obviously I'm the Irish dragon. So I think he, him and his boys are just having fun. You know, they're this guy's calling himself the Irish dragon. How can we not roast him a little bit? Um, but I think at the end of the day, there's no real bad blood there. You know, uh, I'm trying to go to his fight. So if Connor sees this, Connor, please, and I'm trying to get tickets, but your show is going to be quite a sellout. So as a, as a, you know, a present to the old Irish dragon or the okay. German jet dragon, whatever you want to call me, my friend, give me some tickets for that show so I can uh, take the fam. Uh, I appreciate, I was going to mention the Connor thing, but I was like, you
0: know what, let's just uh, leave it. So I appreciate you. Uh, you bring Yeah. That. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Next time we'll, we'll talk about Josh Fabia, but we'll leave that one. Oh, uh, yeah. On cutting, any day, any day. <laughs> on the cutting room floor. Uh, all the best to you, Paul. The great thing is we'll still see you at all the events, commentary, all that stuff. Good luck with the acting and the triathlons. You're the new Nick Diaz and Nate Diaz. I love it. It's great. Yeah,
2: so I love it. I see uh-huh. what those guys were into now. Now I, but back then I'm like, what the hell are they into this stuff for now? <laughs> My God, you guys are on to something. Nick, Nate, props, bro. You guys are, you're, you're on to it. Thank you, Paul. Talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Thank you.
1: ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One.
0: All right. Let's say hello now to the brand new undisputed UFC lightweight champion. You know this man, Charles Oliveira, less than two weeks ago. He won the title in Houston, Texas. Phenomenal win, phenomenal performance. What a comeback it was against Michael Chandler. He's kind enough to join us from his home in Brazil. Charles, obrigado.
3: Parabéns. Thank you for the time. Charles is is super happy. I want to say thanks for the the pleasure to talk to you.
0: Uh, Could you describe, if possible, what the last 10 days have been like in your life, winning the belt, the way in which you did, coming home, the reception that you got. How
3: do you describe the last 10 days in your life? Charles is living uh, paranormal days here in Brazil. He's so glad, so happy, and can't understand what what is happening in his life.
0: Uh, We saw amazing scenes when you returned home. They had a parade for you. You're on a bus, all these people. Were you
3: expecting that reception? Charles is imagining that we'll... You have some people waiting us, but we better in a in a different way. Charles could could not be, uh, how can I say? Charles would not ex- expect in this way, in this in this size of, of people. Who who organized that? Organic, you know, the people yep. that start to come in like uh, from different states or different cities and come to Guarujá. You know, we've seen other great
0: Brazilian champions win belts, Amanda Nunes, Anderson Silva, Jose Aldo, Junior Dos Santos. I have never seen something like that before. Why do you think your win has meant so much to fellow Brazilians?
3: Charlie said that uh, he's believing in his history, you know, uh, the way that he come to UFC. These, all these years that came, uh, that was in this fight. You no. Know?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh Yeah. That was your 28th UFC fight. You've been in the promotion for 11 years. Can you be honest with me, Charles? Was there a time, you know, when you had those eight losses in the in the company? Was there a time where you didn't believe that this was possible that you'd be able to turn your career around and
3: become undisputed champion? Did you lose hope at any point? Charles had on his heart that uh, one this day will come, uh he never lose lo- lost the the hope you know uh, yeah. and these days come
0: so if i would have told you in 2017 in detroit you lose to paul felder that's your last loss hey charles don't worry you're going to turn this around you're going to be champion in a few years you would have believed me for sure for sure 100 percent. how did you stay so positive how, like most people wouldn't have believed me how did you stay so focused and, and motivated and positive about reaching this goal
3: uh Charles said that the 100% that was his fate the power of trusting God in his destiny. Going back to the
0: fight, when you had him in the uh, the body triangle for the rear naked choke, were you surprised that he was
3: able to get out of that? Charles was not su- was not was not surprised. Uh Charles was ready to end any mo- any movement that the chandelier can- could do.
0: Do you remember what you were thinking going to the corner in between the first and second round? Because it looked like he was close to potentially finishing you. Do you remember what was going through your mind and what your coaches told you in order to regroup?
3: Charlie said that uh, when the round finish, he got up uh, like normal, you know, <laughs> feeling good and go directly to the corner and sit down and wait the instructions. You weren't nervous, you weren't hurt, nothing like that? My coach only uh, only asked if i feeling good, and I said, I'm okay. And he just put the the, the fingers on my eyes, but I'm okay.
0: Uh, when you won the fight and you jumped over the cage, who were you celebrating with?
3: I just want to celebrate, and I said to Joe, thankful. I'm so glad, and I just want to celebrate. And those other people that
0: you ran over towards in the, in the crowd, who was that? Were those uh, family members, friends? Who was that? Yeah.
3: Old friends that live in USA and uh, that, I, that I have a, a long uh, friendship. Uh, now
0: back home in Brazil, a lot of people talk about uh, where you live. You, you live? Do you still live in the favelas? And do you have, if so, any plans of leaving now that you're a champion?
3: Uh, I want to still live here in Guarujá, near to my family, near to my friends. And I'm still happy here. And I have a plan to continue here.
0: And I've seen that you've done a lot of charitable work, Christmas, and you go around and you give presents and things of that nature. Um, why is that so important to you to be such a presence in your community?
3: Charles believed that uh, one day he received this present, these souvenirs, this support, and now he considered that is is his time to to develop and to deliver to the to the people that live here a little bit of your. Or what what he can do for the other people, you know?
0: Okay. Uh, and just a couple other questions. Do you believe, have you been told that your next opponent will be Dustin Poirier or Conor McGregor? Has the UFC told that to you?
3: Uh, UFC didn't told yet, but uh, the crowd is telling this and I'm anxious.
0: Is that what you think makes most sense for you next, Dustin or Conor, the winner of that
3: fight? For the champion, doesn't matter. Uh, the, the I won the the champions and uh I'm the champions and it doesn't matter. Call me each one. No preference. You, he he doesn't have a single preference.
0: No. Wow. No. Uh, um. Will you be watching that fight on July 10th?
3: I'm sure 100 in front of TV. Who do you think wins? Will be a, will be a big fight. Uh, is ju- is ju- is just two big names. But you don't have a, a pick, a prediction. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Charles, don't, Charles don't know uh, just come any name in his mind.
0: And for you, Charles, 31 years old now, how much longer do you think you have in the sport? I mean, you've been doing this since you were in the UFC 20, prior to that as a teenager. In your mind, do you want to fight for 10 more years?
3: 100%. is just the
0: beginning. Final question. Last question for you, uh, Charles. Uh, you have been compared to the reception and what you mean to people has uh, has 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 made people start to think of the late Ayrton Senna, the the race car driver, to be compared to someone like that, a legend like that. What does that mean to you?
3: Uh, it's a big pleasure to have my name near to the Ayrton Senna, and this represent uh, good good things for me. And I'm so pleasure, and I'm so good uh, to have my name compared with the Ayrton Senna here in Brazil.
0: Charles, congratulations again. Parabéns. Thank you for the time. Thank and you very look, look forward to the next one. Thank you. All right. Now let us say hello to who I consider to be the number one contender in the UFC women's strawweight division, the young woman who had a fantastic win this past Saturday night in Las Vegas against Yan Xiaonan, arguably one of her best, not the best. I think we can all agree on the best, but one of her best in the UFC thus far. And I think she cemented her spot as the number one contender. For some reason, there's some reluctancy in uh, in cementing that spot and making that announcement from the UFC brass. But we'll get all those answers to all those questions from the one and only Carla Sparza, who's kind enough to join us right now. Carla, how are you? I'm doing great. Great to talk to you, Ariel. It is great to talk to you and congratulations on the win. Would you agree? So when I was alluding to potentially your, your, your number one top performance, obviously the title win against Rose would be number one. I think this was number two. Would you agree with that?
4: Oh, hundred percent for sure.
0: Did you feel like you had to do something emphatic? Did you feel like you had to make a point, get a finish, do something great, in order to turn the non-believers into believers that you are in fact, the number one contender?
4: Um, definitely. I, I feel like if I, uh, my mentality was going in, you know, I think the fight with Rose made sense no matter what for the winner. But I think, uh, you know, if, if I went in and have kind of like a boring, you know, decision victory, it would have been like, ah, oh, we're not, I don't think people would have been hyped as hyped up for the fight. So I think this really got people excited.
0: So I said leading up to this fight, obviously not knowing who was going to win. That this was the clear number one contender fight at 115, considering what you've done as of late, considering your past with Rose, considering what Jan had done as of late, her past as well. Like, it just seemed like the perfect number one contender fight. If for some reason they never came out and said that, and I know they don't do that all the time now, maybe to, you know, uh, hedge their bets, so to speak. But did that bother you that it wasn't a clear cut number one contender fight out in the public?
4: You know, a little bit, um, in my mind, it was always, you know, clear. It was always number one contender fight, you know, especially since there was talks of me fighting for the title, even before this fight. So, you know, I would like to hope so. And, you know, hope that, uh, they just make it happen, but you never know with the UFC, like, obviously we've seen a lot of people just kind of cut the line and, and get in for that.
0: Speaking of, of the last few months, um, when it seemed like they couldn't come to a deal with Rose there for a second, you were being put out there as the potential next opponent for Zhang Wei Li. Did you feel like that was a true possibility or did you think that you were kind of getting stuck in the midst of this negotiation?
4: I definitely thought it was a true possibility. we They actually even had set up the fight to be announced um, that they were going to give us a fight on like three weeks notice. And I was like, I'm in like, let's wow. do it. And then, um, you know, they were like, well, she needs at least uh, five weeks to make weight or whatever the case was. And uh, they, they only had the last card. It was like in four weeks. And uh, they were just waiting on waiting, waiting, like to hear. I, like I was told from someone they even saw the the promotional flyer like backstage wow. at the fights. Like they were ready to like put it out, but they never got an answer from her. And then obviously when they did, it was a no for whatever reasons.
0: Interesting. Were you disappointed when that didn't come to fruition?
4: I was a little bit disappointed, but you know, I I feel, um, you know, this is, I'm just going to be patient and, and it was going to come.
0: When you, by the way, when you watched the Zhang Rose fight on April 24th, were you surprised by not only the result, but the way in which the fight played out since you, you obviously know both quite well.
4: Oh, definitely. I think, that caught everyone off guard. You know, I, I think a lot of people may have thought that Rose definitely could have won that fight, but just in the fashion that she won it, like so early on, against such a, like a tough striker. I mean, you saw Whaley and, and Joanna like go at it, like in a war, like they're obviously some super high level, you know, athlete strikers and to see someone just go in there and just put her down like that in the first round, it's definitely a little uh, surprising.
0: As you were watching that, did you think that that actually increased your chances to be next in line for a title shot? Ha, you know, had you you defeated Yanina and what you did because of your history with Rose?
4: Yeah, not only my history with Rose, but with Joanna's history with Rose. I think right. um, you know Wei Li and Joanna had such a such an epic fight that having a you know like a uh, part two would could have made sense. Um, but I think with Rose, especially given that Joanna, you know, had recently lost to her twice. Um, and then obviously I have a win over Rose. I think the fight uh, definitely just made a lot more sense.
0: All right. So then you go into this fight against Jan. Did you think it would play out like that? I mean, she's looked really good in the UFC and even prior to the UFC, but to have the, uh, the success that you did on the ground, um, and to stop her, like, did you all feel like the fight, you know, did you, did your whole team feel like the fight would play out like this? Or were you expecting something differently?
4: You know, you always go in every fight kind of expecting a war, like, you can't be like, I'm going to win this fight in you know, one or two rounds and then it's going to be done. Like, you know, I was prepared for a tough fight, especially seeing the fight with Claudia and seeing that she was able to really like neutralize her takedowns in the second and third. And, you know, she got her timing in, she was circling, she was you know, really judging the distance. Well, I definitely thought I was going to have to work a lot harder to get in there. I was prepared to go in for, you know, not one takedown, but two, three, four, five, you know, to solidify that if I had to, but, you know, I, I'm not complaining, that's for sure.
0: What about the blood? How did you feel about that?
4: Um, it's always nice to see blood when it's not yours. <laughs>
0: okay. So it didn't make things more difficult. I mean, obviously you you had no problem finishing the fight, but it, it makes things slippery, right?
4: It, I don't think so. Not in this case. Like, okay. um, I feel like I had the, the, like the lock in over the legs and you know, it, it really didn't uh, cause a problem.
0: Okay. Um, it, I mean the, 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 the fighter kit that you were wearing was pretty gnarly after the, the fact, what are you going to do with that?
4: I don't know, honestly. Like, I mean, I, I've, I've had different thoughts. I mean, I might frame it cause it's such a cool like piece, but, yeah. um, You know, I was actually thinking about maybe like selling it and donating proceeds to charity or something. I think that'd be cool. Like, I don't know. Like, let me know if anyone's interested.
0: (laughs) I I feel like there's going to be a lot of people who are interested in that. It's uh, I mean, you could see the photos on your Instagram. And I'm sure now that the blood has soaked in, it's a pretty cool visual. It's probably mostly pink at this point, I would imagine. Um, (laughs) Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the bloodiest fight you've ever been a part of?
4: (sighs) Maybe it's a, it's a close one. Uh, When I fought Nina Ansarov like years ago in North Dakota, like uh, she caught me with a, with a kick to the nose and like, that was all my blood though. Like my, Uh, I had like a gray sports bra and I took it off and it was like pure red, you know, after, and you know, it was, that was a really bloody fight. Like I was bloody from head to toe, but that was all mine. So I definitely (laughs) happier about this one.
0: Just the 11th crucifix win in ufc history which kind of surprised me i thought there would be more so yeah. it just goes to show you know how uh you know how rare that is and um well, i mean obviously once you lock that in it's it's very tough to get out and you're so strong on the ground so like i said it was superly impressive and i thought going into it all right done deal winner of this fight is the number one contender and then you have a performance like that and it's really a done deal i mean there is no room for any kind of discussion whatsoever but then even afterwards uh, UFC president Dana White wasn't committing to you being number one contender. What did you make of that?
4: Yeah, it's like, come on, Dana, yeah. like, seriously, like, come on. I know he was definitely impressed with with the fight, you know, from what my coach says and people say, but, um, you know, I just, you want to hear, like, you want to hear that, those words, like, you got the fight, it's your fight. So, you know, until I hear that, I'm not going to, not going to count my chickens before they hatch, but um, I'm, I'm hopeful
0: do you feel like you're in a good spot right now? I mean, have they said anything to your management maybe since the fight on Saturday night? How are you feeling? How confident are you that your next fight is for the belt against Rose?
4: I mean, I'm, I'm confident, but at the, you know, at the same time, like I, I know that it's potential uh, there's talks of it to going to Whaley too. And for me, that fight doesn't make sense. You know, it's, it's not like she, you know, she's a, like, you know, like a lawsuit, like a, you know GSP or like a John Jones, someone who's had like this like these five to ten, you know, like defenses and you know, it was a fluke. It's like I felt that Rose went in there and she fought a smart fight and she figured her out and she knocked her out. And I don't think that um she's really in a place to to get a rematch. And I think that she's a great fighter. She might be able to fight her way back there for sure. But um as far as next fight goes, I don't think that fight makes sense.
0: Your poor manager, Brian Butler uh, represents you, Zhang Li Rose. I don't know how he navigates this whole thing, to be honest. How do you feel about it?
4: It's crazy. The one nice thing about it though, is I kind of always had the inside scoop of like what was going on, you know, because sure. when they have other managers, you're just like, what is going on? It's radio silence. But at least I kind of like would be like, okay, well, this is happening. We're waiting on this or whatever the case may be.
0: Um, Regarding Rose, she has certainly come a long way since your fight against her in 2014, the inaugural Strawway title fight in the finals of The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, how much do you think she has truly improved since then? Do you feel like she is a much better fighter since then? And, and if so, where?
4: Oh, definitely. Um, it's uh, she, She's always been a great fighter. Like if, Even back in the Invicted days, you know. As, as like a young fighter, she's been a martial artist for a long time. And, you know, just seeing her always have these like crazy finishes, flying arm bars and, you know, all these things. She's always been like a very dynamic fighter. Um, but I feel that um, it's hard to say uh, if she's improved, like, you know, too much on the ground. She's always had great jujitsu, but, you know, so many of these fights have been with other stand up fighters and I've kind of expected her to go to the ground, but she's just stood you know, stand in with everyone. And, you know, she's knocked people out. I mean, like I saw her drop Michelle Watterson with a head kick. She knocked out Whaley. She knocked out Joanna. Like, I mean, it feels like she really came into her, like into her timing and, you know, like her, her process as far as the striking goes.
0: How about yourself? Where, where do you think you've impro- improved the most since that fight, that first fight?
4: You know, I, I feel like I've improved everywhere, even my wrestling, you know, like uh, I've, I've worked so much in so many areas from like, obviously, the, the technical aspects, you know, like jujitsu, striking, wrestling. But even um mentally, I feel like I've improved a great deal. You know, I've worked a lot on that. Um, I've worked a lot on, you know, getting stronger, like my nutrition, supplements, everything. So I feel like just all across the board, I'm just a bigger, stronger, better fighter.
0: I always felt. That you got a bit of a raw deal in that whole situation because you came off a long season, the ultimate fighter, you win the belt, and then they asked you to turn around three months later and fight this buzzsaw who was coming up who wasn't really all that well known at the time, on Jacek. And we know how that turned out at UFC 185. Yeah. Has that always kind of not sat well with you? And, and have you always felt like you needed another crack at that title before your career was done to, to right that wrong?
4: definitely um you know i think i could sit and i could be um you know bitter about that and and whatever but you know i feel like i just have to use it as motivation and you know just make the best of it and and you know hopefully like here i am you know but you know contending for another title and um you know you can't control the past and you know I'm i'm proud of what i've done like you know even though my reign was short, you know, I was, you know, very proud to be able to be the first champion in our division. And I mean, if you see like, unfortunately, like, you know, some of the other champions uh, for the women's division, see inaugural champions have kind of not, uh, you know, had their belts taken for other reasons. So, you know, at least I went out on my shield, you know what I mean? So um, yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully can come back and kind of write that wrong and get the title again.
0: Uh, You had that stretch in 2018 where you lost two in a row and you had the fight against Tatiana Suarez, which was tough. Um, Did you ever lose hope? Did you lose confidence? Did you find yourself thinking that that would be an unattainable goal to get back in that title fight during that stretch?
4: No. Um, You know, this division is tough and, you know, like styles make fights, you know, Uh, so it's like I go and I beat. I beat Rose. I finish her. And then she goes and she finishes Joanna. And then, you know, Joanna goes and fights this person, you know, it's like, and gets finished by Whaley, but then Rose goes and finishes Whaley. So it's like, you never know how people are going to mix up, how you're going to match up with people, how you're going to fall in the division. So although I was definitely very frustrated and I felt that I had to go back to the drawing board and make a lot of adjustments and changes, I, I didn't lose hope.
0: Did you feel on Saturday, like you got a weight lifted off your, your shoulders because you got your first finish since the Rose fight?
4: Oh my gosh. Totally. Like I've been, you know, ah, it's been so frustrating, you know, cause when you're fighting at this high level, it's, it's so hard cause everybody is so good and, you know, it's just so, so hard to go in there, and secure those finishes. So to like finally get one, especially at like this high level and the timing was perfect, you know, cause this is a obviously very important fight and I needed to make a statement. So when it, when I needed it, it came through. So I was super stoked, but, um, I don't think it was just luck. You know, I was actually working on this my whole camp, you know, since my time off from my last fight.
0: Yeah, I know. And certainly I don't think any sane person would believe that. I think sometimes we take for granted like, oh, are you going for the finish? Uh, Most fighters, I mean, I think there are some who have been branded as ones who just try to like ride out the decision victory. But I think most fighters want to finish to get in and get out as quickly as possible. And we take for granted just how hard it is to actually finish another human being, like get a stoppage (laughs) of some kind. Uh, against and i'm sure there's times where you get frustrated where people say oh all you do is get decisions um from my vantage point it looks like you're always trying to advance and and inflict damage and things like that do you feel like you have been you know kind of misunderstood or unfairly (laughs) you know characterized as someone who doesn't go for that
4: um i think a little bit you know it's like you you never want to have that label as like lay and pray like I definitely feel like I really, you know, try to inflict damage um, whenever I fight, but it's just hard because I think a lot of people know that they're potentially going to be in that position with me and they're, uh, they don't want to open up. They want to like, they want to neutralize. They want to like, hold on. They want to grab my arms. So it's like, you often see me in my, my fights, like just like trying to like jerk my arms out of people's like grasp. And it's just, they are just trying to like, not get hurt, which, which makes sense. And, you know, potentially get like stand ups or whatever. And, um, you know, so it's, it's it, it makes it hard because they, I definitely want to get those finishes, but, um, that's why we keep working. That's why I, I keep studying and improving and figuring out how to, how to deal with these things. Uh,
0: perfect world for you. When would you like this title fight to happen if, if you had your say?
4: Um, I think, uh, in a perfect world, I think sometime, within like September to December would be great
0: in the September to December range. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cause you, I mean, you, you had a, a long, you know, a long break in between your last fight in July and this one um, you were supposed to fight in December, but it, it was never revealed why you had to withdraw from that fight. Are you, are you able to say why?
4: Oh um, yeah. So I never like, I never, for sure accepted that fight. Like I had taken two fights back to back. I was a little bit like burnt out and then, you know, it was a potential of, you know, title fight could be on the line. So just kind of like waiting it out and just, you know, fighting, uh, Amanda Rebus, you know, she's a great fighter and all, but, you know, fighting someone ranked so far, like not, you know, like quite a few spots below me really didn't do anything to advance my career, but did a lot to advance hers. And mm-hmm. I was just trying to make the, the smart move. You know, obviously I'm not like afraid to fight her, you know, I've been fighting the best of the best for over 11 years. So, you know, it was just a matter of, you know, like, I'm not going to rush myself into a fight when like, you know, it has nothing to do with her, but it's just like, I'm not ready to fight yet. I just needed a little bit more time off because, you know, the burnout in the sport is real. You know, this, these camps are very intense mentally and physically. So I just kind of wanted to wait. And I told her, I was like, well, I'm willing to, to go, you know, and like January, I was like, you can either wait for me or, you know, fight someone else, someone else and we'll fight later. I was like, it's not that I don't want the fight. I was like, I just need a little bit more time.
0: Okay. Um, and so uh, like we talked about your manager also, Brian Butler also represents Rose. Do you have an inkling as to what Rose, we haven't really heard from her. She's not the, you know, call out or post something on social media type about fighting. Do you have an inkling as to what she prefers whether it's a rematch against Zhang or a rematch against you, I would imagine she would want to right the wrong against you. Um, but I'm I'm not sure if you have an inkling.
4: Yeah, no, I know that. Um, I was told that she does definitely want the rematch, and um, I think uh, she's like this. She's like, I think she she said she like she figured Waley out already. she finished her like that's she's done with that chapter, and she wants she wants to fight the best. She said, you know, she's like this, this fight is going to be a challenge. Like, you know, I know she's really motivated to fight me and I think it's uh, you know, we both have nothing but respect for each other, but I think it's a fight that we both really want.
0: Final thing. And uh, perhaps most important, I saw you had some, uh, some cookies after the big win. Of course you are known as the cookie monster. What kind of cookies did we have? Like, how are the cookies these days, you know, outside the <laughs> apex Las Vegas? I mean, can we get good quality stuff or is it kind of run in the mill stuff?
4: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many options. We, uh, we went to uh, my teammate, Alex, got, uh, these crumble cookies and they were like so big that it's like eating a cake. Oh my like, god! Yeah. They're so good. I had like a German chocolate cake cookie and like chocolate chip and like a fruity pebbles one. Like, uh, yes. yeah, it was so good.
0: <laughs> what, what is, I, I feel like I've asked you this throughout, you know, your, your, your time, my time covering you, but number one on the pound for pound cookie list for you is what?
4: Double chocolate chip, (laughs) like softer ones. Like those are my favorite Uh, Girl Scout cookie favorite, Samoas.
0: Okay. Those are the best. (laughs) All right. Um, And now you're off to Africa for a vacation.
4: Yes, I am going to uh, Botswana to do a safari. And then I will be going to Victoria Falls to do like whitewater rafting and bungee jumping and, you know, just a bunch of cool stuff.
0: You don't hear a lot of people doing this uh, right now. I mean, hopefully things are getting better all over the world, um, but you you don't hear a lot of adventures being planned. So kudos to you on doing that. And hopefully it wasn't too stressful putting it all together in the midst of preparing for a fight.
4: Oh my gosh. Like I, I like got everything done. I did all my research and I was like, I'm not touching this again until after my fight. Hopefully everything's like all in line. And yeah, I'm really excited to go. I know things might be like a little bit like, you know, more difficult, but I was like, dude, there's no time like the present. Like if it's open, I'm going to take the opportunity and just go have an amazing time. It's just like with the UFC, when they opened up, I know it was like, uh, it's, you know, kind of scary, but it's just like, whatever, just do it. You know?
0: Respect. I love it. Well, (laughs) I hope you get what you deserve. I I hope you, uh, you get that title shot. It would be a great story of a rematch of a fight. That's almost seven years in the making. And the first fight was, you know, was very memorable and historic. Um, and I think, you know, for whatever it's worth, I think you have done more than enough. So you can, you can take that message to the UFC brass and let them know <laughs> that I said that. And I'm sure it will help you greatly, Carla. So uh, congratulations on the, uh, the big win, so the winning streak. And enjoy your time in Africa.
4: Thank you. I will. Appreciate it.
0: All right. Thank you very much to Carla Esparza. Also, of course, thank you very much to Charles Oliveira. And Paul Felder, great stuff from them. You could go to the ESPN MMA YouTube channel uh, to get the video interviews and everything else that we're doing over there. So a bit of a break for me, like I said. Uh, no Arrow the Bad Guy tonight or tomorrow. We've been doing two these days. Uh, no DC and Hawani on Monday, and then no Hawani show next Wednesday. But back on I believe June seventh, it is to do the whole darn thing all over again, leading up to the pay per view on June twelfth. And this coincides nicely with a bit of a break in the MMA action. There are some events this weekend, CFFC doing their thing and and some local shows. But no UFC, no Bellator, no PFL. So a good time to to hit the pause. A rare time, if you will, to hit the pause. Um, There's usually like 43 or so UFC events. Well, they're taking a break this week. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take a break too. In any event, here we are. Wrapping things up, I appreciate everyone who tuned in. I appreciate everyone who uh, who stopped by today's show and who continues to stop by and support uh, the program. Of course, check out everything on ESPN Plus, And please continue to rate, review, download, and subscribe to everything that we're doing here on the feed. I appreciate it more than you know. I thank you very much. And I hope that you won't miss me too much. All right? Back in two weeks, same time and place. Until then, I say peace. I'm out of here.